Hello and welcome to Section 138 of Toronto Blue Jays Podcast, Episode 202. Another episode where we talk about the exact same thing. The (laughs) offense, the offense, the offense. It continues to cause all of us grief. It is doing absolutely nothing. The Blue Jays score essentially no runs against the Cincinnati Reds, the worst team in all of baseball. And yes, they win two out of three games, but they don't sweep the Reds. They lose in the series finale when they had opportunity on top of opportunity on top of opportunity. They run into outs on the base pass. They don't make right decisions on the base pass. They don't score any runs, and they lose on a Joey Votto home run. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Uh, well, I mean, it's just uh, like you were talking about. It's been a constant thing pretty much all year. Uh, you come away with two out of three, like you said. Essentially, that was good, except it could have been a lot better. I mean, you look at Friday and Saturday. You scored two runs on Friday. You scored three runs on Saturday. And I thought the and I think the most frustrating one out of all three of the games was yesterday's game because of how they lost. Obviously, you know, Joey Votto hits that go-ahead home run. Yes, that was a cool moment, but at the end of the day. That's still not the reason why the Jays lost that game. I mean, the Jays had all the opportunity in the world to win that game and sweep the series, and they just didn't get it done. But Sunday's game was definitely, um, I guess, just the most frustrating game. And, of course, it had to be on the series finale. Just not a good way to end the weekend. But, of course, at the end of the day, I guess you win 2-3. to three, But still, the same problems are still here. This might be the worst 4-2 and two homestand in franchise history. Jacob, how are you? <sighs> okay, so... I'm a Leaf fan, so I'm used to being disappointed, but this team right now, it's making me want to watch the Leafs have another first-round exit, but no, okay, I'm kidding, but in all seriousness, this was just, like, it's a good homestand in the sense that, like, you're over 500, you're winning series, but the fact that you won another series and you scored seven runs over three games, it, it can't happen. Like, this cannot, for a team this good, for a team that had this many opportunities, bases loaded, multiple times guys on pretty much all game or all series they're still losing and it's just it's it's really it's okay what we're seeing right now but it could be so so much better it's okay what we're seeing right now is that where you're at i am so far past that point i am i don't know i didn't think my frustration with this team could hit a new level and it certainly has uh This is the Cincinnati Reds we're talking about. This is not, you know, the Seattle Mariners. (laughs) You know, you win two of three from the Seattle Mariners. Okay, whatever. They're a good team. You win two of three from the Cincinnati Reds, scoring seven runs over a three-game span. I I don't know. My frustration with this team is at an all-time high, and I can't believe it. And I know we're not hitting the panic button. We're not hitting the panic button. We're not hitting the panic button. It's only May. They have time. Last year, you look at their record. They were a 500 team heading into June. They struggled at the end of the season, and they still ended up as a 92-win team. I don't know. I don't know what it... It's impossible to describe the levels of frustration you have watching this team. And I think I've reached a point where I'm not hitting the panic button because it's only May, but Jesus, they have to do something. It is next level frustration with this team and I don't know I don't understand it it's I don't know I don't know if you guys have any insights I'm at my wits end watching this offense well all I can say is if the offense is good and when I mean eventually 
if you can combine that with good pitching, this is it's a very complete team. I mean, still though, it like you cannot have this, and I hate to to call guys out specifically, but Matt Chapman, this guy needs to change his approach when he has the bases loaded, or just any type of runners on, because you go back to that last at bat in the series finale. I get it. Obviously, hitting a breaking ball is a lot easier said than done. Recognizing it a lot easier said than done, but there were multiple pitches in his at-bat and throughout the game where him and other guys were just swinging early. I think that was the biggest thing that I noticed. Uh, I was watching Blue Jays in 30, like 35 minutes ago, whatever it was. The first three or four at-bats of the game, I think it was Springer hit a double or somebody got on base. Three guys in a row out on ground balls where you can clearly tell they were early on the pitch. Obviously, that's just three at-bats out of three games out of a whole season, but I can see a bit of a trend here. This team, it's almost as if they're trying to do too much, as if they forget that the guy behind them could also do just as much damage if you let them do it. And it, like it, to me, I don't even know. Like it, it's not that this team is not talented. Like it clearly is. You have all throughout your lineup sluggers, guys that can get on base, guys that are fast. Like you know, we talked about in pre- previous teams how maybe Randall Gritchick didn't have the greatest speed years past guys didn't necessarily run exceptionally well but like there's a quite a bit of speed on the base pass right now the fact that they cannot drive these guys in or just get any type of production it like it, it can't happen and it, it's costing them games at this point and you know I hate to bring this up and, and beat a dead horse but they missed out on the playoffs by one game last year every game matters you know you yeah okay taking two out of three instead of three out of three from the Reds middle of May is not maybe the end of the world now, but you're losing games that are easily winnable. Like three wins or three runs against the Cincinnati Reds, not hard to come by, or it shouldn't be at least. And especially if you do have the bases loaded, I think they had one out and then they got two outs right uh, in a row. Like you need, you need to capitalize on these opportunities because even if the Reds are a bad team, they're still a baseball team at the highest level. So they're clearly at least somewhat talented, and they're not going to give you a million opportunities. You need to take advantage of these opportunities, and until that happens, I think this is going to be a very miserable season. And again, the issues are, if the pitchers are put under this much of a microscope, any mistake is going to be just blown up. And yeah, there's been guys with that haven't been necessarily great. Yimmy Garcia, Trevor Richards had a bit of a rough series towards the end of it, but I also don't want to pinpoint and say that you're a bad pitcher and you're the reason why or you're having a bad season at least I don't want to say that but you don't want to pinpoint it and say that but you kind of like it gets just completely blown out of proportion because this offense is not giving them the opportunities and I'm sure we'll get into this but Alec Manoa taking him out of the inning or not letting him pitch in the ninth inning given the way the offense is given the way that he would have gone into a clean inning potentially giving Jordan Romano a bit of a different situation, I think it was the right choice to put him in. Give him a clean inning, because if he gives up a run, I know you're at home, but there's no guarantee that you're scoring another one. I know Mark is like just ready to pounce, so just hold on for a second, but uh, I'm sure we are going to talk about that. Uh, That's definitely one thing, I guess, one of the kind of topics of conversation that came up this weekend. But yeah, I I mean, Jacob, you're completely right. It's just... I just, at this point, and this goes for like every single fan, no matter who you are, there's not 
anything you can say at this point that nobody else knows. Like, they are a disaster when people are on base. They are a disaster when they are leading games. They can't add on to the games. There was a stat that came out yesterday about splits of when they're leading and when they're behind. The runs usually come when they're behind from this team. This when they usually hit the ball better. And for some reason, when they get an early lead, they don't build off of that, which is why there's always one-run games, which is why their run differential is so bad. And that's pretty much the story of the season. It was the story of the weekend once again. And really, beside a couple of guys in particular, pretty much everyone really had a slow weekend. I mean, the only really standouts that I had this weekend offensively were obviously Bo Bichette, who was pretty much single-handedly responsible for Game 2's win on the Saturday. Uh, Santiago Espinal is pretty much the only other guy that I had. 15-game hit streak, I think that's tied for the longest in the majors, or at least it's up there in terms of consecutive hits, uh, consecutive games for a hit streak. Those are really my only two guys that I thought were good throughout the entire series. There's concern still with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We know that they flipped the lineup on the Sunday game. That didn't really do much for him. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did walk, though. Uh, but that was pretty much it. He went 0 for 3, and that was it. And Bo Bichette was in the 3-hole for the first time this season. And that was the first time since the beginning of 2021 where Bichette was actually hitting third. So they try something there. That doesn't work. I mean, it was only one game. Uh, we'll see if they go back to that tonight. We know that they quickly had a little bit of a lineup shuffle at the beginning of the order, but then they went back to pretty much what they've been rolling out the entire series at the beginning of the homestand. So... Who knows what's going to happen going forward with that. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's tough because it's like, Mark, you said it right off the top. Like, these are the Cincinnati Reds. This is the worst team in baseball, but they are better than you with runners in scoring position along with 29 or I should say 28 other teams other than Cincinnati. So I don't know what to think anymore. Um, You know, I think the thing that's starting to frustrate me though, and pretty much we were all saying this at the beginning, of course, but now... People are still saying the same thing, is that eventually, 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 they're going to get going. And while that may be true, it's just, to me, it's very annoying now. Because you're almost at the end of May, you're heading into June, that 100 at-bat mark is clearly uh, on the horizon. Like, I don't know how many other, how many more excuses you can make, and I don't know how much more time they need to get going. Yes, the extended spring training was an excuse, I think, maybe in April, maybe at the beginning of May. But at this point, once again, you are approaching the second last week of May, and this is still an issue for you. While, you know, other teams in the American League East are pretty much playing well. We know the Yankees have been on a really good run. We know that the Rays are also pretty much better than the Jays right now. Even though both teams did lose on the weekend, I think maybe that's the only good thing to come out of it is that the Jays made up some ground. Not a lot, but they made up some ground. You have the Boston Red Sox who just swept the Seattle Mariners and they are creeping towards 500 after a really slow start. You know, things aren't, it's just that they haven't taken, and I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to be cheesy for this, but they haven't taken that next level. They haven't. And all season, it's been the exact same thing. And really, when you think about it, if you take away the starting rotation, this team is nowhere close to 500 right now. Not at all. I mean, the, 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 the amount of games that they have won for this offense, the amount of times that they've kept the offense in the game, or just the team in the game in general, is crazy. And you're pretty much running out of fingers to use to count how many times that's been the case. So you see the same thing, I guess, with the starters this weekend. Um, as much as it did suck offensively, I was very impressed with Hunjin Ryu. Again, I know it's the worst team in the league, but 
you got to start somewhere, and this is also the second consecutive start where Ryu's looked good coming off the IL. Uh, pretty much six scoreless innings. Very happy with that. You know, you go to uh, the Saturday game. Again, the same thing with Alec Manoa, which we're going to talk about about the end of the game. But before that, we'll just say eight innings of uh, one-run work, four strikeouts, really dominant. And that's also, as much as Bo Bichette was the reason offensively, He's also pretty much, I guess, just as big of a part to why the Jays did win that game. Regardless if he pitched the complete game or not, he shut down the Reds for eight innings. And then on the Sunday game, despite a rocky first inning, despite a high pitch count, Yusei Kikuchi, in my mind, I was very, I wasn't, imp- I, w- I wouldn't say impressed, but I was re- I was satisfied with his start. Because I know that if he got off to a better first inning, and you know there was a lot going on in terms of maybe a couple missed strike threes, but of course his command was all over the place. It's kind of hard to call balls and strikes when he's throwing this way, this way, this way, this way. So other than that, he settled down after the first inning. I was fine with the way Kikuchi pitched as much as he didn't get to five innings. Again, it was all because of the high pitch count and the wild first inning. He settled down. So it's not like the starters had a hiccup this weekend and the Jays were pretty much out of it from the start. All three all three pitchers this weekend um, were really good. You know, most of the relievers were good. Jacob, you mentioned Trevor Richards, who's pretty much had a bad month in general. He's kind of a guy that hasn't been the greatest. But other than that, you know, guys like David Phelps have come out of the bullpen and have pitched really well. And it's pretty much been the same story with that, is that your bullpen and your starting rotation, for the most part, have been good. However, the Jays offense just says otherwise and that's the issue because you know you win by one run on Saturday you win by two runs on or sorry one run on Friday two win or two runs on Saturday you knew you're happy with the win but at the back of our heads now whenever they win games like these you say the same thing is that yeah they won it's good and all but this team went what one for whatever with runners in scoring position so so many missed opportunities. The Sunday game, again, was the most frustrating because they had every chance to win that game. And if you don't think so, then you're crazy because of all the opportunities they did have. Bases loaded so many times. Um, and just to go through runners in scoring position this weekend. On Friday, they went 1-8. for eight. You leave 7 on base. That's not a good start as much as they did win 2-1. You know, you, you can't have that. And again, at this point, I don't know how much more we can say. It's going to get going. It's going to get going. Because again, I fully believe that, yes. But all I'm saying is... I just think we're running out of excuses now because we're almost at the end of May. On Saturday, you go one for four with runners in scoring position. So not as much of a chance, I guess, with runners on, but you still not the greatest. And then the Sunday game was the most frustrating one. You go one for 10, leaving seven on base. So many opportunities. Before I hand it over to you, Mark, I just want to say, Jacob, I I know you, you kind of called out Matt Chapman in a way. I'll tell you what, I'll just to maybe make you feel a little bit better. I'm not as concerned with him as you are. Um, I know that, you know, the numbers are ugly. It's pretty obvious. His defense, though, pretty spectacular. And obviously him being defensive has saved the Jays a lot of runs. Offensively as well, his hard or his hard hit rate was also talked about on the broadcast. It is pretty much top three in the entire league. So it's not like he's not putting up good at-bats, Jacob. He's putting up good at-bats. He's making hard contact. Um, in a way, as much as he is struggling, a lot of it has come with unlucky or being unlucky. We pretty much said the same thing with Bo Bichette early in April, despite him being really bad as well to start off the year. He was hitting the ball really well, and look how that turned out for Bo Bichette. So Matt Chapman, not as great of a hitter as Bo Bichette. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is I do think we will expect him to turn somewhat of a corner and be a lot better than what he's been pretty much Uh, playing at right now so I think he's a lot better than what his numbers have shown and I think despite being off to a start where he's hitting below 200 
he's going to eventually get his numbers up slightly, which is really good. And of course, his defense brings a lot. So we'll see, though. And that's pretty much all we can really bank on right now is individual performances. Because again, as a team, it's just not there. With runners on, it's just not there. Besides a few guys this weekend, offense just wasn't there whatsoever. Matt Chapman also isn't supposed to be a guy who's carrying this offense. So like to me, frankly, if he's hitting 150, 200, I don't care that much because Deoscar Hernandez is hitting 100 in the month of May. Lourdes Goriel Jr. is hitting 150 in the month of May. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., as good as he can be as an, as, as and as good as he was over, a, what was it, 14, 15 game hitting streak, the power is not there. He's hit, what, two home runs in the month of May, I think it is. So, Yeah, not him for power at all. I don't care if Matt Chapman isn't performing when the guys who are supposed to be carrying this lineup, the guys who are in the center of this lineup, in the heat of the order, hitting second, third, fourth, fifth, aren't performing. To me, it doesn't matter what Matt Chapman is doing if those guys aren't hitting to save their life. So... That, to me, is the problem. It's the big guys in this lineup aren't doing their part, and it is costing the Blue Jays enormously. George Springer is another guy. He's hitting, I think it's like 220, 225 in the month of May. That's obviously another concern. He was so, so good in the month of April, and obviously you're going to have down months, and compared to the rest of the guys in this lineup, George Springer is doing so much better, but... You have to have performance from your big guys if you can expect any type of general offensive performance from your team, and we just aren't seeing it. We just aren't seeing it at all. Um, To give you some context about how much the Blue Jays should have hit this past homestand, six games, you're playing the Reds. Just to run through the stats that the Reds have put up in terms of their pitching, their ERA is the worst in baseball. Their FIP is the worst in baseball. Their XFIP is the worst in baseball. Their pitching war is the worst in baseball. They are, without a doubt, the worst pitching staff in baseball. And it's not even close. Their team ERA is, I think, uh, seven-tenths of a run worse than the next closest team, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's not even close. They are far and away the worst pitching staff in baseball. Blue Jays combined to score seven runs against them. You go to the series against Seattle. Seattle has the third worst FIP in baseball, the sixth worst ERA in baseball, the second worst pitching war in baseball. The Blue Jays combined to score 10 runs against them. So in total, a six-game homestand against two of the worst pitching teams in baseball. The Blue Jays average 2.8 runs a game. That pretty much sums it up. There's no other way to put it. This team has been atrocious when they need to be phenomenal and it's what's costing them so far. And I say costing them. They're three games above 500. That's the reason we're not hitting the panic button just yet. They built up enough leeway in the months in the month of April to have this terrible stretch in the month of May. And you look back at 2021, the Blue Jays were three games over 500 on July 29th. So Obviously, there's time for things to improve. There's time for things to change. And yeah, you can say they missed out on the playoffs by one game. These games matter. And they do. But when you think about it, they are two, three months away from where they were last year. Their last time being three games above 500. And they have time to improve. That's not the problem right now. The problem is just the absolute level of frustration. And the fact that we're seeing 
absolutely no life out of this offense. It's it's ridiculous that we're coming here week in and week out. We're past the quarter mark of the season, and we're still talking about an offense that is not performing at all. And as much as you want to say it's May, as much as you can say last year the Blue Jays waited until July 29th until they were more than three games above 500. You can also point to the rest of the standings. The New York Yankees, the best team in baseball right now, have put up a historic stretch to start the season. They're 29 and 12. They're 6 and 4 in their last 10. The Blue Jays are seven games back then in the standings. The Tampa Bay Rays have also been off to a hot start, two games above the Blue Jays. The thing that concerns me right now is that the Red Sox are heating up. Previously, the Red Sox have been in the basement. Now they're heating up. They have swept their last two series, I think, or their last series in addition to one win. They've won five in a row. Bottom line, they're 19 and 22. They're catching up to the Blue Jays. They're only three games behind the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays keep playing the way they are right now, they're going to find themselves in in fourth place in the AL East. They could find themselves in fifth place. You know, the Orioles are 12 and a half games back, so five and a half games back of the Blue Jays. Not that the standings matter right now, but you have to get going. You can't average 2.8 runs a game against two, two of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. So, bottom line, that's where the frustration is coming where, from right now. And panic button, I still think, is a couple series away at least. Maybe start of June is where you start to think about it. But frustration is at an all-time high and something has to give. Something has to change. So I guess something that we've seen circulate a lot these days is questions about whether the Blue Jays hitting coach Guillermo Martinez should get the can. Because something about this team right now is not right. Is that the problem? Is that what the Blue Jays should be changing? Is that the fix to this terrible start to the season? No, short answer. <laughs> I just, like I I don't. I see where people are coming from, but like that's also to me this is similar to the fire Montoyo, Montoyo rants that I heard outside the Rogers Center when they lost like three to two against the Red Sox or Orioles or some really bad team last year. That's not the issue. The issue is the guys on the field, and they can be worked with. Like you cannot. To me, firing the hitting coach, even if you go and hire Dante Bichette or rehire him or anybody for that matter, it, that's not going to that's not gonna do a 180. That's not going to change the offense completely. I'm not sure what the other alternative is or alternatives are. I really don't know what the Blue Jays can do right now other than just have the offense come back because at this point, like, what's the excuse? Is it the, the limited at-bats? Is it, you know, the, as you mentioned, spring training? Like, it, it's not that. It's just this team is not good offensively this year. It can be very good. I at this point I really like I I don't think firing the hitting coach will really do anything. Maybe you bring on Dante Bichette. I'm not saying you have to fire anybody to do that, but you could do that. You could bring somebody on. I don't I don't think that removing anybody is the right option, but you mentioned the uh, the American League East standings. I want to also mention the wildcard standings because that's even uh, more of a mess right now. The Angels have a three-game lead. Rays have obviously a two-game lead. Blue Jays have a essentially no lead for second place or a game lead for second place. White Sox, Red Sox, Cleveland, Rangers, 
even the Orioles for, you know, for that matter, there's a lot of teams within a couple games of each other. This, this offense, it needs to get going because you're not fighting for your division. I think it's fair to say that the offense, you're going to start to lose out on wild cards uh, or on a wild card ground because it's like, there's a lot of good teams in baseball. I think that's one of the reasons why the playoffs are expanded is there are a lot of teams that are just good enough to make the playoffs. And I'm I'm not going to go into that whole thing there, but offense it I think it's an approach thing I, I don't think it is hitting coach not doing his job I think it is everybody just a little bit over anxious trying to get things going trying to get that uh, that average up like today rather than just get hits together string hits together get guys on hit with them on that's what it is and I mentioned obviously the Blue Jays in 30 and it, it was during the game anybody that watched it go look at the first inning of yesterday's game the Sunday game Every single out, and pretty much most of the outs from that game were because of just swinging way too early. There's pitches that are borderline, maybe too far out, too far in, that guys are swinging at. And I get it, hitting a baseball is hard, but when you look back at it, you can tell that these are pitches that the the hitters think they can hit, and then or they decide that they're going to hit it, and they're like, yeah, okay, I'm going to swing now, and then they're way too early on it or way too late. And it's just, that, that to me is the biggest issue, is just changing the approach like you don't need to swing for the fences the second that you can recognize that it's a curveball wait on it see what you can do with it that's really all i can think of like it's not hitting coach's issue if it was i think this would have been an issue last season or this would have been brought up last year it's like okay let's fire hitting coach let's make some changes because there were times where there were a lot of cold streaks but also to be fair there were a lot of times where we said guillermo martinez is doing a very good job with this offense so I don't know. I don't really think that it's it's his issue or his fault. It's if it was, I think we could maybe pinpoint it against one player or I mean, to be fair, it is, you know, team wide at this point, but no, it's I think it's just a it's a team wide approach and we know they've had players only meetings. Maybe they need another one of those. Maybe that's all it all it is is everybody needs to go in and I'm not I don't think they need to air their grievances or anything like that. It's not as if there's, you know, arguments or whatever causing bad morale in the team, but I think this is within the players is what I'm getting at. It's not anybody else. Other people could help. Absolutely. That's why you have coaches and that's why you have managers, but it's not, I don't think that that firing your hitting coach would really do anything at this point. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think this is just on them and I don't know if they, you know, we'll see what happens with that one. And the other thing too, is there's, there's what, like almost like 15 different types of coaches on that, like on that coaching staff. There's like, we, we, we pretty much know there's like tons of roles that are made for people these days and there's tons of extra positions that are there. So I don't know how much it is solely on the hitting coach. I think this is just something where, which is completely bizarre again, because it's just, it's a unique situation because everyone basically is struggling and you don't see that really a lot in a baseball lineup. You have a couple guys here and there, maybe you got a couple guys on a hot streak, usually all the time. Just in this case, everyone just seems to be struggling. And and it really, it's the exact same reason, though. It's not like, you know, Bo Bichette, yes, he's been a standout guy. Uh, offensively, he's been putting the ball in play. He's been hitting the ball well in May. But with runners on, he still isn't p- playing that well. And that's why everyone has the same issue. Nine guys in the order have the same issue. It's not like there's a standout guy on this team saying, oh, you, you know, 
he is the only one that's good with runners in scoring position. That's not the case. You know, their numbers are getting individually better, yes, but when runners are on, it's still an issue with everybody. George Springer, you talked about it, Mark. He's had a bad May. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his timing's off. Uh, he's pretty much, you know, you're talking about it. His OPS is down. His Pretty much all of his numbers are down. He's not hitting for power as much as he's walking still at an excessive rate. Bo Bichette, he's figured out his timing. Still with runners on. Not the, the numbers still aren't there. Teoscar Hernandez, I don't think we've seen him struggle this badly since, what, 2019? Coming out of the gate, and we thought this guy was going to be you know, the cure to the offense. And of course he is. And of course he's a big part of the offense. All I'm saying is that he's just come out of the gate really slow and his time. He's also not there. Santiago Espinal. He's been one of the bright spots in the lower of the order who is pretty much hitting well. He's got this hit streak going, but still with runners on still not hitting the ball, the greatest same with Matt Chapman. He's been slow this season. Danny Jansen hasn't been playing the greatest since he's come back. All these guys are still struggle have the same issue which is crazy and I don't know how much longer we get to the point and this is crazy obviously coming into the season we never thought this was going to be the case we always knew that the starting pitching was obviously going to be just as good or we that was the expectation to the offense but at what point do we just kind of sit back and accept the fact that this is a starting pitching dominant team where we can say this is the true strength and I know that is the case right now but what I'm saying is as the season progresses how much longer are we going to say until we say, or how much longer are we going to say, oh, the offense is going to come around, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. How long? How much longer until we just accept the fact that the starting pitching is the true, I guess, driver of this team? I don't know. Uh, I still would hope the offense is going to come around, and um, we'll see what happens with that. But all I'm saying is I think you got to leave that possibility in your head now because we haven't seen otherwise, and we're almost into the month of June. Mark, you were talking about the standings, and this was something I brought up when it was just you and I a couple weeks ago. It wasn't me referring to exactly saying, oh, the Jays are, you know, they're going to miss out on the play. They're this amount of games back. It's the fact that you can't fall behind like you were talking about this early. And Jacob, the wildcard standings are very important. I just, to me right now, the wild card in particular for me is too early to read because you were talking about all the chaos that's happening. And you have a tough road trip this week. I mean, you got St. Louis. We talked about they've been pretty good this year. You mentioned the Angels. They're obviously off to a really good start. You have a four-game series with them this weekend. But the point I was trying to make with you, Mark, too, a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it again, is that you can't be falling behind so early. And I know a lot of that is out of the Jays' hands. I know the Yankees were on a historic run, and there's not really much you can control when they're playing the Orioles three times, when they're playing the Royals. But at the same time, they took care of business against the Jays multiple times in the month of May. There's no excuse for that. The Jays, you can you can talk about the strength of schedule all you want. We did. But at the end of the day, the Jays had opportunities to go after the Yankees and pretty much get those games back, and they never did. So that's pretty much where I sit on it. There's still seven games back. You talk about the Red Sox. Trevor Story's been on an absolute tear this week. That's a little, it's a little concerning knowing at the back of your, pretty much on your shoulder, they are slowly and slowly approaching. And they're going to, they're a lot better than what their record was. I think in the month of May, I don't think any of us expected the Red Sox to be that bad as much as you didn't expect them to win the division. They're going to be competitors. They're going to give teams a a tough time. And you're starting to see them turn the corner. They're on your shoulder now, or they're on your tail now too. So that's all I'm saying is if you're playing at this rate, yes, you're going to fall behind. And that's, again, as much as it, is on the Jays. A lot of it is also out of the control, but you can only control what you can control. And we know this. This was obviously a major factor to last year too, but the Jays in their part, what they can control is obviously their performance offensively. 
They have opportunities. You had the Cincinnati Reds for three games this series. You had a, the Seattle Mariners earlier on. You took care of business with them. But this should have been a sweep. This should have been a five and one homestand. And now this upcoming week, you have pretty. You have two tough teams that you're going to see. And then after that, going into June, you got the White Sox and the Twins. So it's not like you're at an easy point in your schedule. You kind of pass that little bit of a breaking point. You're now kind of approaching a tough stretch coming up here within the next couple of weeks. So they got to take care of business. They can only control what they can control, but that starts with runners in scoring position. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I would necessarily blame Guillermo Martinez like you were asking, but I just think for me personally, it's more on the players and it's more of an internal thing with all of them. We'll see. And um, I'm not going to say it's going to come around. It's going to come around anymore. When it happens, it happens. I just, it just frustrates me the more we talk about it and the more we say, it's going to slowly and slowly come around. It just haven't seen anything yet. As much as we've seen kind of some flashes, we haven't seen that major breaking point or that major breakthrough yet. Yeah, I don't blame Guillermo Martinez either. Um, it's like if you're firing Guillermo Martinez, might as well fire the 50 people in the development office of the Blue Jays front office. Like, Guillermo Martinez is just the tip of the iceberg. He's the guy who is in the trenches working with the team and working with the hitters and um, obviously working with them directly to implement stuff. But there are assistant hitting coaches. There are guys in the front office whose job it is to comb through data and comb through swing mechanics to make sure that everyone's doing everything they need to to, you know, scouts who are talking to other teams, talking about approaches. The list is endless of the amount of people whose job it is to make sure that the Blue Jays are hitting. And it doesn't stop at Guillermo Martinez. He is just the tip of the iceberg and firing him does nothing in my mind unless you're... To me, the solution, if you're looking for a solution in terms of hiring and firing, is to overhaul the development office. Is to overhaul everything that's going on with hitting right now because... That's the problem, and I, I don't think that's the solution. I I think it is the players. It comes down to the players and having a concerted approach at the plate, and that's not something that 50 guys in the front office are going to be able to tell you. But that's what it comes down to. It doesn't come down to the hitting coach. It doesn't come down to, you know, as much as we praise – this goes the other way with the Blue Jays pitching staff. Like, as much as we praise Pete Walker for stuff – Pete Walker is just the tip of the iceberg. It comes down to assistant pitching coaches and bullpen coaches and guys in the front office who are combing through data year in and year out in the offseason to try to figure out who they can solve, who they should sign, who has problems in their deliveries, the numbers on the periphery that they can extract and improve and that type of thing. It goes both ways. It's not just Pete Walker on the success side of things, and it's not just Guillermo Martinez on the failure side of things. It comes down to the players. It comes down to the rest of the front office. That's what it comes down to for the Blue Jays in their offense. And, like, yeah, Bryson, maybe we are at the point where the Blue Jays are a pitching first team. I mean, certainly we are this season. They have one of the best starting pitching staffs in Major League Baseball. You look at Team FIP right now. They are third in Major League Baseball in uh, starter FIP based on, uh, or excuse me, only behind the Giants and the Yankees. And they're actually ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers, which have one of, if not the best, on paper starting pitching staff in Major League Baseball. So that just gives you a sense of how good the starters have been. And honestly, it just makes me more frustrated about how bad this offense has been. Because could you imagine everything clicking at once with this team and how powerful they would be? 
And instead, we're in a situation where we're here week in and week out talking about how much this team sucks because of the offense. It is beyond frustrating. So, yeah, Guillermo Martinez, that's that's not the solution. Like, maybe he himself should be doing more things, less things, etc., etc. But there is, I promise you, 50 people working their asses off right now trying to solve this problem. And they haven't been able to. So one man, Guillermo Martinez, is not going to fix or solve this problem by himself. Um, okay, so that's the offense. That is everything that's wrong with this team. But before we move on, I want to tell you about DraftKings. We know they were supporting us a couple weeks ago, and now they have officially arrived in Ontario. They're one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, and now... Anywhere in Ontario, you can legally bet on all your favorite sports, whether that's MMA, hockey, playoff hoops, so much more, including baseball. And right now, if I were you, I would be hammering the under on the Blue Jays. We know they're not scoring any runs right now, so you might as well bet the under and has a pretty good chance of coming true. But you can bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, more. You can do it now anywhere in the province. You can join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. They are a safe, secure, and reliable sports book. They have anything you could want, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash anytime you want. So get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live. Go to the App Store now and download the Sportsbook app that's offering 2-1 to one odds on a hockey team to score a goal every day in May. So get in on all that action. And I don't know, I'm not a hockey fan, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 19 plus physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Gambling problem called Connex Ontario 1-866-531-2600. Please play responsibly. We talked about it earlier. Alec Manoa was pulled after the eighth inning of what was a phenomenal start on Saturday. First off, just a phenomenal game start to finish. You have Hunter Green, Obviously, not including the offense on the Blue Jays' side. You have Hunter Green dazzling for the Cincinnati Reds and just a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, he's a young guy. Obviously, he has a lot of potential. Um, his pitches are incredible. That fastball is not just 101. It's 101 with crazy movement. It was such a fun game to watch. Alec Manoa on the other side of things also had a phenomenal start. He won eight innings, seven hits, one earned run was taken out of the game before the ninth inning after only 83 pitches. He was visibly frustrated on the bench and in the dugout. He was clearly arguing with Pete Walker and Charlie Montoyo to stay in the game. Looked like at one point right before the ninth inning started that he was just going to walk out onto the field himself. Should Charlie Montoyo, and again, tip of the iceberg type thing, should Charlie Montoyo, Pete Walker, Blue Jays front office staff, have made the decision to remove Alec Manoa after only 83 pitches and only one inning left in the ballgame. The decision was the right decision. That's all I'm saying. So here's the thing. You have a one, two run lead. It's a safe situation. You have, as both Alec Manoa and Charlie Montoya put it, one of the best closers in baseball. You use him in a safe situation. I don't care if it's the Cincinnati Reds. I don't care if it's the Dodgers. You need 
to win this game. And it's not that I don't think Alec Manoa could have done it. I'm not saying that. I don't think that, like, call it fourth time through the order or whatever Montoyo claimed it to be. Or I think it was a few people on Sportsnet saying third or fourth time through the order was the reason why they didn't want him to go back. You, you use your closer. You can, in a, in a safe situation. I think this was the right move. Pitch count was low enough that you could justify it if they had one more run. If it was 4-1 to one or 5-1, or to one, if there was no safe situation, absolutely you put Manoa in. I think that it, considering you have zero room for error, no, I you, you take him out. Or I'll meet you in the middle. You let him go out, but like Gosman had in, in Boston that one time where he almost had a complete game, one batter and you're done. Or, or one runner on and you're done. And, and like I said, this isn't because Manoa's bad. This isn't because I don't think he could have gotten those three outs. I just think that... I'm not even saying that it's too risky to put him out, but it makes more sense to use your closer when you have that guy available. And yes, Romano pitched. I think he pitched the day before, so two days in a row. If you have your closer available, you use him. And I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me on that. I know you two probably do, but it's like the thing is, is it's just this team cannot afford to lose a, a, a game or, or give up really any runs. Like you give up one base runner, tying runs at the plate. Obviously, Jordan Romano, both Alec Manoa and, and him have enough stuff to get anybody out. I just I don't like that idea of putting your closer in. Say Manoa gives up a hit. I don't like putting your closer in. Basically telling him, hey, you have zero room for error. It To me, that's just not the right move. And it's definitely not the popular decision, but it was the decision that was uh, made. To me, this is it was the right move. You have your closer available. Your guys pitched well. Like it, It's not as if, like, he, it's not like Alec Manoa needs to pitch that one inning to get to that 200 inning mark this season or whatever. It's not like that Mark Burley situation 2015 where he needed that, like, two innings in the final game of the season, but it like to me, this was the right move. You won the game. You put in the guys that you needed to, to win that game. And Manoa's got another start coming up soon. So why don't you take him out after the sixth inning or the fifth inning? If you're talking about times through the lineup, take him out after two trips through the lineup and then put in Garcia, Simber and Romano for the final three innings. Cause they have a better shot of getting those out. Like, to me, it doesn't matter who's behind him if he's doing phenomenally. That's fair. I just, it's the last inning. You cannot afford anything here. Like, I if it was if it was the fifth or the sixth, like you said, I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even agree with that. Like, it, it, the fifth inning, that's, you, why would you waste your bullpen if your guy's pitching that well? But, and you're probably saying, why would you waste your closer, which is a fair argument. But I think, I think, I think it makes more sense to use your closer considering that like you're home you can afford to give up a run technically and get the next shot do we both think they would have scored another run or two i kind of doubt it so you need to lock up that win here here's the problem with what you're saying is that everything you are saying is true about how you know you got to get the game that you got to win this you got to win that the problem you're contradicting yourself because Alec Manoa had no signs of slowing down or any failure. So if you want your best chance to win the game, you keep Alec Manoa in the game. And it's very simple. And Jacob, this is also your Cy Young Award winner on this pitching staff. <laughs> the fact that you think you should take him out 
come on. Like 83 pitches, you got to go out for you got to go out for the complete game. I'm sorry. Again, there's no sign that he had of slowing down. He was on point. There's nothing about him where he had any flaws in his start. And of course, we've seen flaws with, you know, his last start in Cleveland. There was flaws there or a couple starts ago, I should say. Nothing here. He was dominant. He was carving through the order, four times through the order. Guess what? Who cares? You sent him out for the ninth inning. It's very simple. He has he wasn't giving up anything. Like, I mean, he was on point. He was sharp. He was throwing his fastball and slider effectively. Those are his one-two. I don't see anything wrong with there was nothing wrong with his game. And of course, the pitch count is always the, t- the topic of conversation. He wasn't even close to 100 pitches. He was at 83 pitches. He could have went out there and gotten the final three outs. I agree with that. You got to get the win. You got to get the win. This and that. This and that. But he gave you your best chance at winning the game. He gave you eight innings. He destroyed their their lineup three or three times through the order because he didn't get the, a chance at the fourth. I mean, I don't know what else you want out of your pitcher if you don't want him going out for the complete game. Yes, Jordan Romano is the best clo- or one of the best closers in baseball. Yes, he is. But like what Mark was saying, why isn't he done after seven and you're going with Simber, Romano, or six, and then you're throwing out maybe Garcia, uh, Simber, Romano, something like that. It, it makes no sense to me that you get so close to that and then you take him out. Like it's just, it's like you'd rather if him came out of this, like come out of the game in the sixth inning, like you were talking about, Mark. I just. There was no signs, and it's very simple. It's just that I think until he had signs of slowing down or if he gave up, maybe got in some trouble, then you take him out of the game. But he ended off in the eighth inning really strong. He was going into the ninth. He was ready to go. You knew he wanted that complete game. He hasn't done that before, and I don't know if he's going to get another chance to do it this year. It's really hard to say. Obviously, with starting pitchers now, and it just it it just reminds you. It just takes away the moment. That's all. And I, I, I don't agree with it at all I agree with you know what you're saying about Romano and everything but that's not the point the point is he gave you your best chance to win and then you kind of you just take the ball away from him like that he did nothing wrong for him to get pulled out of that game and that's why I had an issue with it especially yeah again it, I know it was 3-1 but what signs were there that he, he was going to give up a two-run home run or what signs were there that he was in trouble what signs are, were there that he had command issues he was giving up barely any hard contact like there was nothing that he was giving up that kind of went Eesh. like in terms of you got lucky there that you know misplaced in location or anything like that none of that happened on Saturday which is why it's frustrating that he didn't go out there and, and finish the complete game I don't care about the order through the times through the order I've never really cared about that that's kind of I guess something that there's analytics on and they think that maybe that's a better approach or that's the way to do it. If you place or if you face a guy two or three times, hand it off to your bullpen. I, again, I've never agreed with that. I think you just, you pitch him until he's out of tire or he's tired. He's out of energy or if he's in trouble. I saw none of that on Saturday, despite him not uh, being in trouble. He wasn't even tired either. You saw he was energetic. He was ready to go out. It just this is your this is your Cy Young award of this pitching staff, Jacob. I just I'm very disappointed that you turned your back on him this quickly. Let me just clarify. I have zero trust in that whole three four times throughout the order thing. That's not my reason. I have like my reasoning for for agreeing with taking him out is not because of Alec Manoa at all. It's just you have the situation you're in. The offense is like it sucks right now. Let's be real here. You need to close that game out. The last thing I want is to see Jordan Romano in with, you know, a runner on or, or God forbid, more than one runner on. And I'm not saying that he couldn't have gotten out of that jam either. I'm just saying you don't want to put him into another 
high, high leverage situation where basically one pitch and the game's over or tied or something like that. It, I don't know. It's tough. I, obviously, you want to see the complete game. And I, I do think if somebody could do it, it could be Alec Manoa. He wasn't tired. He, like you said, like he, he could have done it. I trust him. I just, or I, I, I would have trusted him. I think he could have gotten out of that jam or, or excuse me, gotten out of the game. I think that you just have to lock the win. If it was 4-1 or 5-1, zero question about it. He goes back out. But if it's a save situation, or even, so technically 4-1 would be a save situation. But if it's a two-run game, you close that out. You finish it with your closer. I do believe in the, you know, third, fourth time through the lineup type stuff. 100%. It is 100% accurate. It is something that is very... uh, indicative of how a starting pitcher or even relief pitcher if they go long enough is going to perform 100%. I don't think that applies in this situation because you look at what Manoa was doing to Bryson's point. He wasn't slowing down. He was pitching just as well as he was in the first inning, potentially even better because he gave up a run earlier in the game and he hadn't given up a run in the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth innings. You look at the last inning he pitched, the eighth inning. Three-pitch strikeout to Matt Reynolds, bottom of Cincinnati's order, whatever. Go back to the top of the lineup. Four-pitch flyout to TJ Friedel, who's their leadoff hitter. And one-pitch ground out to Tyler Naquin. It is as easy as innings come. An eight-pitch inning... He's in there, three up, three down. It's fourth time through the lineup for those top two guys, Tyler Naquin and TJ Friedel. Absolutely no difficulty for him. No signs of showing down. And yeah, maybe he's going to be facing the big hitters, the 3-4-5 in the ninth inning. But this is the Cincinnati Reds we're talking about. Their 3-4-5 hitters are probably 7-8-9 hitters on any other team in baseball. You keep him in, bottom line. To me, the argument of, well, you may have to use Alec Manoa, or excuse me, you may have to use Jordan Romano in the next game. You want to save him. To me, that's not as compelling as just the fact you have a pitcher in who's succeeding. Don't change it. And also, just complete games are cool. (laughs) Complete games are fun to watch. We haven't seen one for the Blue Jays, a nine-inning complete game since 2017 with Marcus Stroman. So it would be nice for it to happen again. And I think the Blue Jays should have kept him in. He was showing no signs of difficulty. Potentially one of the best starts we've seen all season. The Blue Jays should have kept him in, hands down. To me, there's no debate. I don't know. I, hey, you know what? Team won. That's all that matters. Um, Alec Manoa has a bright future. I'm sure he's going to have a complete game at one point. I don't know. I think we, we've beaten that horse a little bit too much here. But, like, I agree with the move. You guys don't. <laughs> At least they won, because if they lost that game, then I uh, I wouldn't really have a leg to stand on here. Okay, well, before we wrap it up, let's take a look at some listener responses that we've gotten. Um, CB underscore J88 says, we won it. Something has to click to get these bats going. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm not even thinking of the fact that we won this series. It doesn't feel like a win. It's the Cincinnati Reds. Two to three is the bottom is the basement of what you should be doing against the Cincinnati Reds. Doesn't even feel like we won this. Um, Adam Mercer saying offense is still a little shaky, but 
more signs the team is coming around and bats are emerging. I don't even know. I, I was feeling that for the first game or two. I think the vibes were good with the team, to put it that way. You know, the roof was open, packed crowds at home, and then you lose the third game. You're going on the road. You're facing tough, tough opposition in St. Louis and Los Angeles. And to me, all that momentum is gone. The good signs of what potentially may have been good vibes with the team and the fans and the dome open, to me, all that is gone because you lose a game to the Reds and now you're heading out on the road for what should be a brutal road trip. So to me, those good signs don't mean anything. Jay Heavens 28 says, horrible offense, or sorry, horrible offense was awful. They lost when I was there. Can relate to that feeling. Always sucks to pay so much money to see a Blue Jays loss. And then the last thought from Ed Johnson, pitching is working out well. If our bats can get started, I think we'll escape 500 from the road trip. Otherwise, 0-2 at the cards and 1-3 at the halos. I want to be positive, but can't see us winning any series till the Blue Jays are back in the dome. And I think that's pretty much how I feel. You're going out on a brutal road trip. It's going to be tough to win a series against teams that are good, or even tie a series. I know it's a two-game set against St. Louis, but I guess that's the question now. What are the Blue Jays going to do? Two games against St. Louis in St. Louis at Bush Field, Bush Stadium. What are our series predictions for this? So you're talking about listener responses. I had one, and I showed you guys. We posted a video, or one of our... Our, one of our older episodes, 196, was titled, Will the Blue Jays Ever Lose a Series Again? We had a comment. This was, this was when was this posted? This was posted May the 1st, so the, uh, so the start of May, basically. We had a comment from Eric uh, last night saying, this video aged horribly. <laughs> and I think it's, I think we cursed him. But no, okay, on a serious note... I think you, I think you come away with a split. So today, I, here's the thing: you're facing a good pitcher today in Miles Mikolas by uh, or for St. Louis. I don't believe so. Kevin Gosman slated to start the second game. I don't think St. Louis has released a pitcher yet. I think you go for a split here. St. Louis is a good team. Like let's be real here; they're pretty much where the Blue Jays are at, but just with a better offense. I think you go for a split. It's a two gamer. So you, like really, the only way you win the series is if you sweep it. So I don't know. I think you get you take a win here you go to you go to LA and just pray that Otani doesn't no hit you well first of all I just clearly Eric with all due respect doesn't understand what sarcasm is but um I guess we can give him that one for sure <laughs> but pr- pretty cool if you win every series of the season I just don't think that's ever happened before but anyways um I'm just there's no question in my mind if the offense was clicking like the pitching that they'd be just as good if not better than the Yankees I think that's very obvious which is so frustrating but anyways this series, like, every single time I've been predicting, like, series wins, like, left, right, and center over the past couple of weeks. Finally, the last two series for me have worked out, although I think we said sweep, but I guess it was kind of wrong. But as long as they win this series, I think I'm with you, Jacob. I My gut feeling wants, to tell, wants me to say sweep, but the Cardinals, like you guys said, they're kind of right where the Jays are. They're really good. It's hard for me to see the Jays cruise through them in two games. I'd love that to happen, of course, but I will be safe here and say they split. Uh, you got you got tough opposition, obviously, with, with with pitching that the Cardinals are throwing out. I don't think they have a starter listed for Tuesday yet, so we'll see what happens with that. But you got Barrios and Gosman. I'm very confident 
that you can you can split this within the next two days. Yeah, I'll go split as well. Um, normally, for a series where you have Brios and Gosman, I would 100% go sweep. But I know, given what we've talked about today, the offense will find some way to screw it up. So, yeah, one and one. Um, okay, lots of frustration. I'm sure we'll be back here in two days time talking about the exact same things and in five days time talking about the exact same things and in eight days time talking about the exact same things but until then as always you can support our podcast by going to apple podcasts and spotify and giving us a rating and review you can also find us on social media at section 138 pod that's where we get feedback from listeners and hear your thoughts about how horrible the blue jays are doing right now so check us out there um Two games against St. Louis. Let's pray we get some runs. We'll catch you then.